0: Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the evening service of Sunday the 15th of February 2015, entitled, Serving in the Shadows. And the Bible reading is taken from John, chapter 1, verses 29 to 42. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. Familiar passage this evening, I trust and pray it will be a blessing and an encouragement to you as we look here again this evening. Of course, uh, uh, we begin here in in verse 29 with uh, John the Baptist down the River Jordan. And uh, we find in verse 29 that the Bible says, I invite you to stand to honor the reading of God's holy word. The next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me cometh a man which is preferred before me. For he was before me, and I knew him not, but that he should be made manifest to Israel, therefore am I come baptizing with water. And John bare records saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it abode upon him, and I knew him not. But he that sent me to baptize with water, the same said unto me, Upon whom thou shalt see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, the same is he which baptizeth with the Holy Ghost. And I saw and bear record that this is the Son of God. Again, the next day after John stood and two of his disciples, and looking upon Jesus as he walked, he saith, Behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. Then Jesus turned and saw them following, and saith unto them, What seek ye? They said unto him, Rabbi, which is to say, being interpreted, Master, where dwellest thou? He saith unto them, Come and see. They came and saw where he dwelt, and abode with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. One of the two which heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first findeth his own brother, Simon, and saith unto him, We have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted, the Christ. He brought him to Jesus. When Jesus beheld him, he said, Thou art Simon, the son of Jonah. Thou shalt be called Cephas, which is is by interpretation a stone. Father, We thank you this evening as we look into your word, and we pray earnestly, Lord, from the depths of our hearts, that you would see fit, Lord, this evening by the power of your spirit to open your word unto us. Lord, we pray that it would not be this man that stands in the pulpit that is seen at all, but Lord, that it would be you that would be seen, you that would be heard. You do know the needs of each heart, Father. We pray that by the power of your spirit, you would speak to those hearts, You would meet those needs as only you can, and you would receive all the glory and honor for it. In Christ's name we pray, amen and amen. Of course, if you happen to have one of those Bibles that have sometimes the little subtitles, verses there, you find a couple little subtitles just before we started reading saying, The Witness of John the Baptist, and then here in the reading that we had the public ministry of Jesus Christ. This was where it all began with Jesus and his public ministry here at 30 years of age. Now, most people in our society today really don't have a desire to be just ordinary. Now, there are some people that prefer to live and operate out of the limelight in the shadows, so to speak, unseen, unknown to others. But whether in the limelight or whether unbeknown to anybody, most people like to be recognized for something in life at least. Most want to be remembered when they leave this world for something that their life counted for, at least by somebody. The surround them. And of course, most of us, many times we stop and think and we ask ourselves that question, well, if God were to call me home right now, what would people remember about me? What would people remember about my life? What kind of memories would come to their mind when they thought of me? And of course, one of the things that even for a relatively unknown person by the masses, is to at least be special to somebody for something. The truth is, is that everybody doesn't want to live their life in the limelight. And of course, even in the church and in our our Christian lives, there are many people that just faithfully serve the Lord in the shadows, sometimes in the shadow of someone else that maybe even seems to get all the credit for it sometimes. I want you to see from Scripture today that some of the greatest accomplishments are often things considered by many people just to be ordinary, things that are often done in the shadows, in the shadow of someone else. That's why our simple thought this evening is serving in the shadows. I want us to begin by trying to imagine from our reading here in the Gospel of John chapter 1 just what this setting would have been like. I mean, here we have Jesus beginning to bring his band of disciples around him. We look through the scriptures There are many names as we think of those 12 that stand out to us most. (laughs) We look and we might recognize Simon Peter for sure because everybody knows Peter. James and John, sure. Maybe even Matthew or one of the others, but who's that standing over there in the shadows? (laughs) Who's that standing there next to Peter? Oh, yeah, I think that's, that's Peter's brother, Andrew. <laughs> that's Peter's brother. I, I, I'm sure that's who it is. Yeah, he's not really one of the important ones, though. Just kind of ordinary, isn't he? He's not one of the leaders or anything like that. He just kind of operates in the shadow of some of those other men that... The Lord is called. Now I've often wondered because some of you know that what it's like to operate in the shadow of someone else. I wonder how Andrew felt. I mean just in his normal flesh like you and I have. He had feelings as well. Remember that even though he was an apostle, one of those chosen by Jesus Christ himself to establish his church upon. Even though He was just as human as you and I. He had the same kind of flesh. And you stop and think about it. in our reading right here, we find that Andrew was actually the very first one to follow Jesus. He stepped out and followed Jesus before anybody else did. He had been a follower of John the Baptist. But we seem as we continue to read on about his life that... He seems to almost be paying. You know, I I can remember back, I loved sports as a youngster. And many times when you love sports and you're eager, but the thing is you always want to be out there in the midst of the action. I remember whether it was playing basketball or baseball or American football. Sorry, I didn't play your football, soccer, when I was growing up. But in all those sports, You know, I can remember I was so excited when I went and I went out for the team and I got on the team and guess what, Brother Steve? You always started out sitting on the bench. (laughs) Sitting on the bench, watching all those other guys get out there and run around and play and you're just chomping at the bits and you're wanting to get in there. You see, you start out sitting on the sidelines, sitting on the bench until that day comes for you to step into the action. Well, you know, when you when you read through, and the, the Bible doesn't tell us a lot about Andrew, but you almost get the feeling sometimes because that happens many times in people's professions, and it happens in our Christian walk, it happens in the church that sometimes people feel like they're just playing second fiddle all the time. They're sitting on the bench, they're not important. What they're doing isn't important. They're just so ordinary. They're not in the midst of the action. They're not being recognized. Well, I wonder, I wonder if Andrew felt any of those things. And I want us to think first of all, as we think of this serving in the shadows about a reaction that is natural. Okay. Time for us to get on a reaction. How would most of us react to being in the shadows? to being on the sideline, to being on the bench, if you would. And like I said, the Scripture doesn't tell us a whole lot about Andrew. Matter of fact, there's only a few verses about him in the whole of the Bible. And God didn't see fit to reveal to us what was going on in Andrew's mind. But you know, God always knows what he's doing. (laughs) There's good reason for that. But I think that maybe part of the reason for that is because it allows us, we can imagine pretty easily what would be natural for us in that position. What would we be thinking if we were in that position? Now, surely, surely it would be in order for us to consider what we would be feeling in the circumstances that we see here, whether or not that he did if we were caught in his circumstance, whether or not it was the exact same thing that he was feeling. I just want us to consider a few things. You see, a reaction that is natural. For most people, first of all, it would be, I believe, kind of an excruciating circumstance, an excruciating experience. It would be kind of agonizing to always being known, who is that? Oh, that's Peter's brother. (laughs) That's Peter's brother. You know, if you were always known as somebody else's brother or somebody else's son or somebody else's friend, uh, it was the other person that was known. You were just known as somebody with them. No real self-identity at all to be forever in the shadow of somebody else. Andrew's brother, Peter. Everybody knew Peter. Andrew. Oh, that's Peter's brother. I think, you know, for most of us, a reaction in that situation would would be pretty agonizing and also be a bit depressing, a depressing dilemma, I call it, an excruciating experience and a depressing dilemma to be on the sidelines when all the action is taking place over there somewhere. You're seeing all these others involved, just like I did when I sit on the sideline, but you're not there yourself. You see, only so many can make the first team, while others are sitting on the bench and waiting for their chance. But some of you know enough about football here this evening that it's more than just those 11 players out there on the field or those 10 players or whatever sport that you might be playing. Truth is, you just listen. One of the things that seems to come out so many times, even In football, as you listen to them talk about their strength in depth, their strength in depth. You see, no team is going to go to the top as a team if they don't have strength in depth. But everybody can't be filling the same spot at the same time. They can't have everybody out there as the goal scorers. Everybody can't play the forward position. Everybody can't be a striker. Everybody that's on the field has to play their own position. But that team will never go anywhere unless they've got some in the shadows, some on the sideline, some on the bench that are ready to feel that. That gives them their strength in depth. Of course, it's also worthy to notice that often (laughs) there might be one hero that made the, the winning goal. but I can almost guarantee you <laughs> that the rest of the team was there to help him do that, to make it possible. He didn't have to get out there and go it alone. It simply would not have happened. You see, it takes a team effort to really produce a hero. There's always more people that are supporting that one hero, that one that's in the limelight, that, that one that everybody sees. There's always many behind the scenes, in the shadows, that's even making that possible. I mean, Andrew had been first. He was the first to join the team. The natural thing would have seemed if any grouping was going to take place, surely he would have been the one that was part of that, that main I mean, even the, the, the original groupings, that, that, that quartet, if you would, that was out there, but, you know, there was two sets of brothers that began this thing, Peter and Andrew and James and John. They were all from the same town. They all had the same background. They were all involved in the same business. They were all fishermen. They had so much in common. Jesus Made the choices though, not them. And Jesus's choices don't always fit with our way of thinking. The man of transfiguration, who was there? Peter, James, and John. There was that other two set of brothers, but and there was Peter, but the one that started with it all, oh, Andrew, he's not there. What about when Jairus' daughter was ill and dying? There's Peter, James. John? No, Andrew. What about in the Garden of Gethsemane? There's Peter, James, John. You see, that inner circle that Jesus chose doesn't seem to fit what we would think that it ought to be. Doesn't seem to fit what would have been natural. Why would the one that followed him first, that even brought Peter to him in the first place, and James and John, they got to go on his brothers, Peter, but Andrew just didn't seem to be the one out there in the limelight with the rest of them. I think, that, I think that the natural thing, a reaction that would have been natural for most of us, that would have been an excruciating experience. That would have been a depressing dilemma, and that would have been a painful position to be in. <laughs> He's for almost anyone. Not only was he not in the forefront, even though that he was the first, even though he was the one that brought Peter to him, he was also not always able to be doing his bit with those who were the closest to him. You see, these were the three guys that he had spent all his time with before that he'd actually introduced them to Jesus, (laughs) These were the ones that he worked with every day. But suddenly, they're all out there. They're all supposed to be playing on the same team, but he's not able to be with the people that he surely would have felt most natural to be with. We find that he was often in the shadow of those for whom he was at least partially responsible for them even being there. That could be tough. There's something important here. We've got to remember that Jesus made those choices, and Jesus is still the one that makes the choices, not for our comfort, not for what might seem natural to us, not based on some idea of what we think is is fair play or who was first, not for any of our selfish motives. He makes his choices for the greater cause of the kingdom as a whole. (laughs) We find that we know that a lot of these feelings are natural. We could name a whole lot more, but I want you just to understand where Andrew was and what the natural response would have been for most of us in the flesh, if we're honest. Andrew probably felt some of those things. We don't know what he felt. But more important than how he might or might not have felt, which is something we can only speculate about, more important is how he responded to it. <laughs> you see, we don't always know what's going on. Now, we, when we looked this morning, we saw that Cain and Abel, We saw that when God was trying his best to help Cain straighten things out and get right and be blessed, that Cain's response wasn't very good. His attitude wasn't very good. He didn't want to listen. He responded wrong. Well, I want you to notice secondly here, we think about a reaction that is natural, but secondly, a response that is necessary, okay, we react a lot of times, and it might be what's natural to the flesh. But I believe that there's a response that is necessary, and we can see this. You see, there's a number of possible options. One is to quit. <laughs> That's always an option. A lot of people do. Have you ever I mean, how many? I mean, you know, we don't, we don't need to even call any names. But how many of you know somebody? that was on the team, that was in the game, but they have quit. They're no longer there. They're no longer even playing. They're no longer on the sidelines or out there on the field. They just quit because they weren't where they wanted to be. That's an option. I'll just go back where somebody appreciates me. I'll go back where somebody at least is thankful for who I am and what I do, A lot of people would rather be a big fish in a little pond than a a nobody in a big one. (laughs) Quit. Or we can retaliate. That's another possible option. I'll show them. (laughs) I'll show them how they can't get on without me. I'll get even with them. It's an option. One that (laughs) many people choose a lot of times is you can always... Criticize. You can always get a critical spirit. They are so unfair. They just won't listen to reason. I've tried and tried and tried. They've got it all wrong, but they just won't see it. I'll tell people what they're really like. All these things, responses, bitter, hostile. Those are all possible options. It could be a challenge for those of you that have had children and raised children. It could be a challenge even when a new baby comes into the house. (laughs) Why? Because that new baby requires a lot of attention. (laughs) He does. I mean, somebody's got to feed him and somebody's got to clean him. Somebody's got to teach him everything they know. Sometimes other children can actually become jealous because suddenly they're not getting as much attention as the new baby is. So many times, that's the way it is in God's work. People get their feelings hurt because they're not getting enough attention when it might be one of the greatest compliments they could be paid that they're not having to have all that attention, that they're mature enough to be able to take care of themselves, and yet they get upset because the preacher, the deacons, they're they're paying more attention to those other people out there, those new babies maybe, those less mature that need more attention. What about King Saul and David? Saul became so consumed with jealousy that it ended up costing him his whole kingdom. Now, we find that that's the same thing. Here's a great king with all kinds of ability. He's a great warrior, and yet he totally destroyed himself. Why? Because he was jealous of somebody else. He was jealous because somebody else was getting too much of the limelight and leaving him in the shadow sometimes when he thought he deserved it. So really, those, those, are, those are all possible options, but there's some preferred actions. <laughs> some preferred actions. Andrew seems to have handled this very graciously. And I think that we could learn some things from Andrew on that. You see, we sang that song, little as much when God is in it. <laughs> Does the place that your call to serve seems so small, we've got to realize that even though it may be a small place, even though we may be serving in a place that gets a lot less recognition than somebody else, and we may be working harder and giving more of ourselves and all of these things. Just because you're in a smaller place with less recognition It doesn't mean that you're a smaller person in God's eyes. And it doesn't mean that you're even doing a less important task in God's eyes. Just because you're in the shadows, it doesn't lessen the importance of what you're doing when it's the whole team that we're concerned about. The economy of God's kingdom, every ordinary task becomes significant. (laughs) It becomes important. It becomes part of the vital ongoing of the kingdom that's being built for him. Come back to football again. You've often heard it said it's a 90 minute game. At 89 minutes, and a sub is brought on, and he scores the winning goal. Which was more important? Being out there for that 89 minutes. We're coming on fresh in the 90th and winning the victory. Who can say? Because in actual fact, it took all of it. It took everything that was played that first 89 minutes, and it took that goal being scored. Most footballers, one of their greatest honors is to be chosen to play for their country. But the whole team can't go on the field at one time. All are needed to get the end result. It's an honor just to be chosen to be on the team. We can't all get out there. We can't all get out there and be the striker. You see, in God's economy, he always knows without a doubt exactly what is needed. Well, these managers, they get fired left and right because everybody doesn't think that they they know what they're doing. (laughs) I promise you. God doesn't get it wrong. He knows what is needed for the end result. He knows the end from the beginning and the beginning from the end. He's the one that said, this is what is important for Andrew to do. He's the one that will say, this is what's important for you to do. Sometimes it's what we see as the ordinary that becomes the extraordinary. Sometimes it's so important that you just, instead of being in the place that you want to be, that you're in the place that God wants you to be. You see, there are reactions that are natural to our flesh, but let's not get caught up there because there are responses that are necessary in order to get a result that is noteworthy. You see, there are a few things that we know about Andrew. John chapter 1, where we were just reading, you know, Andrew made a difference at home. He made a difference at home where he was. How do you know? He first findeth his own brother Simon, And saith to him, we have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. And when Jesus told him, he said, thou art Simon, the son of Jonah, thou shalt be called Cephas, which is by interpretation a stone. Who knows would Peter ever even have been there if the lesser known Andrew hadn't been doing what he's doing at home, being witness at home right where he was at. He made a difference. He brought his brother to Jesus. I'll tell you what, when it comes interest collecting day one day in heaven, Peter's not a bad one to be collecting on, is he, Brother Steve? Andrew. Andrew's the one that'll be collecting that interest for being where God needed him to be, for making a difference at home. Bringing others to Christ. And it wasn't just his brother. Notice just a few chapters over in the Gospel of John, chapter 12. Notice what it says beginning in verse 20. It says, And there were certain Greeks among them that came up to worship at the feast. The same came therefore to Philip, which was of Bethsaida of Galilee, and desired him, saying, Sir, We would see Jesus. Philip cometh and telleth, who's that? Andrew. And again, Andrew and Philip tell Jesus. You see, often what you do for the cause of Christ, for the winning of souls, for strangers, and it's never known by anybody else. It's known by God. And it's important to God. They were the ones that came to Jesus on behalf of these strangers. John chapter 6, just a few pages back. We may not know a lot about Andrew, but it's interesting the things that we do know. In John chapter 6, notice verses 8 to 11, one of his disciples Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, saith unto him, There is a lad here which hath five barley loaves and two small fishes, but what are they among so many? And Jesus said, Make the men sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down in number about 5,000. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, He distributed to the disciples and the disciples to them that were set down, and likewise of the fishes as much as they would. Who was it? Who was it? Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He was the one that out. there's a lad here which got those five barley loaves and two small fishes. And all those thousands were fed because Andrew was where he needed to be. See, Andrew seemed to have recognized as we need to recognize that the important job is not always the high-profile job. It's not always the one that everybody knows about. The important job is the one that God wants you to do. The story is told of an old Baptist pastor. He was getting on in years And he had to be replaced. Seemed like his work was finished. Nothing for him to do. Nobody wanted him anymore. One day he was sitting on a gravestone in a churchyard in a little village north of London. Along came this bright-faced young lad, and he was singing and whistling as he passed by. The old pastor just stopped this young lad. And he just began to talk to him about Jesus, (laughs) The young boy responded in a a wonderful way to the gospel that day, and he accepted Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. A few months later, that old pastor went to be with the Lord. He was gone. Nobody ever knew him. It was just a boy that happened to be passing by. Many believe that maybe he was able to, (laughs) to look down and see what that young boy grew into in adulthood. We don't know for sure what he can see and can't see. That young boy that became absorbed with linguistics and geography, he was actually working as a a cobbler in a shop and God began to give him a vision for the lost world and eventually saw him come to the Lord and give himself to God. That young lad... As a man, is credited with leading our modern day missionary movement through which thousands, if not millions, have come to Christ. That young boy was William Carey. William Carey. A pastor, been put out to pasture, the pastor out to pasture. <laughs> but he didn't quit on the Lord. Didn't seem important sitting there on that stone that day. <laughs> he seemed to have reached a point in life when there was nothing left for him to do. Oh, but he could. <laughs> Even when he was alone in a cemetery of all places <laughs> with nobody else around. But he took the time to stop that young boy, to tell him about Jesus. A very ordinary <laughs> Non spectacular effort. He wasn't holding a citywide campaign. He was a witness to that one young lad. But oh, how would you like to be collecting the interest on a William Carey when you got to heaven? A young teenage boy was on his way to church one Sunday morning. The weather was so bad that he couldn't get there. Instead, he turned into this little primitive Methodist church. The preacher didn't even make it that day because the weather was so bad he couldn't get there. But just a layman in the church. I mean, you know, he wasn't anybody important. He got up and read that passage from Isaiah 45, verse 22 Look unto me and be saved. All the ends of the earth, for I am God. There is none else. He gave a very, very simple talk that day. (laughs) He didn't have a whole lot of education and a lot of fancy words. He gave a simple talk about looking to God, and being saved. That young teenage boy, even though he'd been raised in church all of his life, father, grandfather, all pastors, he spent hours upon hours in his grandfather's library reading and studying the Bible, and yet that Sunday morning, through the simple words of an unknown Christian that wasn't anybody important in that church's or the world's eyes, but that teenager was one to the Lord. The young man C.H. Spurgeon. God used him to shake not only this country, but continents. (laughs) Even today, his sermons are still being read by many. But it was an ordinary layman doing a simple, ordinary task, being faithful to God. He wasn't doing anything spectacular in man's eyes. It may have seemed so simple, but yet God used him to perform an extraordinary task. That day, how would you like to be collecting the interest on a C.H. Spurgeon? See, so many times we see things as so unimportant. Sometimes if we're not careful, there are reactions that are natural in the flesh that we might have to deal with. There's a proper godly response that is necessary. It'll bring result that is noteworthy. What are you saying, preacher? I'm saying, boy, we need some more ordinary Andrews. <laughs> People that aren't worried about whether everybody else knows what they're doing, whether known by man, whether it seems important to everybody else. Not worrying about whether he's going to be recognized or honored in this world at all just ordinary Christians doing what they can where they can being willing to be faithful to serve in the shadows on the sideline if that's what God has for now but to be faithful even in the shadows even when nobody knows serve the Lord be faithful in serving him father These simple thoughts this evening, Lord, you certainly use to speak to this preacher's heart when reading them and being reminded, (laughs) Lord, we don't know a lot about this apostle called Andrew, but it's amazing the things that we do. Lord, he wasn't out there in the limelight. He wasn't one that there's a lot written about, but we see his gracious attitude. We see him there where he needs to be, when he needs to be being faithful in serving you, even in the shadow of his brother and the other apostles. Lord, I pray that you'd help us today. Lord, we're not an Andrew or a Peter or a James or a John or any of them. We're just who you made us to be. I pray that you'd help us, Lord, to be willing to serve you in the shadows, wherever that you'd have us to be. Help us, Lord, just to be willing to do the things that you would have that may seem so ordinary. But help us to be faithful. Help us to be used of you. Help us to make a difference, not for our namesake, but for the namesake of the Lord Jesus Christ. For it's in his name we pray, Amen. amen.